Happy Valentine's Day, listeners. You might associate the holiday with chocolate and greeting cards, but what is romance without a bit of mystery? Today, we're exploring the mystery of one of history's most influential love stories. Growing up, we've all heard magical, chivalrous tales of beautiful maidens locked away in castle towers, of brave kings and princes who come to their rescue, and of evil queens who resort to wicked spells or poisoned apples to get what they want. Now, we know those tropes are from fictional stories, but it appears some of our oldest fairy tales may have been inspired by a historical figure, a woman who lived hundreds of years before the Brothers Grimm or Hans Christian Andersen. They called her Fair Rosamund. In the 12th century, Rosamund de Clifford was a noble lady who found herself in love with the married King of England. Legends suggest their subsequent affair culminated with betrayal, deception, and murder. Rosamund's legend may be the basis for the stories we know and love today. But the question is, was her life and death really a fairy tale come true? Or something much darker. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Valentine's Day is a day for love. So in this one-part episode, we're diving back into history to discuss a chivalric romance. If legends are to be believed, this tale has it all. Forbidden passion, a love triangle, and a murder motivated by bitter jealousy. Today, we're telling the story of Fair Rosamund de Clifford, a real historical figure who had an affair with King Henry II of England. Many details about their relationship have been lost to history, leaving mysteries unsolved. The biggest one, which strikes at the core of Rosamund's supposed fairy tale life, is how much of her legend is true. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Europe of the mid-12th century would have been almost unrecognizable to a modern visitor. Countries, as we currently understand them, didn't exist. When we talk about a nation like England, we're really referring to a loose confederation of local lords and landowners who shared a language and culture. If the King of England gave the nobility an order, they could choose to follow it or not. Rulers didn't have their own armies and were just beginning to tax their people. Monarchical power was tenuous at best. It's hard to say much more because paper was expensive and hard to come by. Medieval people routinely destroyed written records to recycle their pages. Add in the occasional fire, invasion, or natural disaster, and it's almost a miracle any information survived. That's one reason the period is sometimes called the Dark Ages, not because things were particularly violent or backward, but because today we have so little understanding of life in those years. This makes it difficult to tell where the line is between history and highly romanticized exaggeration. Which brings us to Rosamond de Clifford, a woman who lived at the tail end of the Dark Ages, and about whom we know almost nothing. And most of what we do know is more fairy tale than truth. But since that's all we have, we've crafted a fictional account of her 12th century life, inspired by oral legends, inventive literature, and rumor. We'll use it to explore how Rosamond's narrative has helped shape many of our modern-day tropes about love and the dark side of romance. So, for the next two acts, sit back as we lead you on a journey of legend and lore, and try to find the grain of truth hidden within a fairy tale. Let's dive in. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful young woman named Rosamond de Clifford, or Rosamond the Fair. She had long, ruddy blonde hair, a perpetual delicate blush, and striking eyes. When she was a young girl, she was fascinated with stories of romance, much like the story we're telling now. As the daughter of a lord, she was educated and literate, so she spent her days reading epic tales about knights and heroes and their breathtaking feats. In Rosamond's time, jousts and castles and royalty weren't just found in stories. They were a fact of life. But to her, all of that felt very far away. When Rosamond was 12, she lived in the nunnery at Godstow, a convent that educated highborn girls. And she hated it. She wanted to spend her hours daydreaming, gathering flowers, and making up stories about brave knights. Instead, her days were filled with prayer, confession, and biblical instruction. The nuns encouraged Rosamond to dedicate herself to the Virgin Mary, 
After all, she was named after the Catholic saint who was sometimes called the Rose of the World, or in Latin, Rosamundi. But Rosamund wasn't interested in a life of piety or perpetual virginity. She dreamed of falling in love. One day, Rosamund decided she'd had enough of mass and study and quiet reflection. She snuck out of the convent and slipped into the nearby woods alone. Thrilled with her act of defiance, Rosamund twirled, relishing the cool shade of the trees and the music of chirping birds. But the birdsong wasn't the only sound she heard. There was something else. Distant hoofbeats. A few minutes later, a young man rode up, mounted on a horse. He was 15 years old and a little chubby. His clothing revealed he was very wealthy, a member of the nobility. However, his tunic bunched up around his midsection and his mantle was crooked. He clearly didn't care about his appearance, nor was he conventionally handsome. Still, something about him intrigued Rosamund. He had a natural confidence, and as her gaze met his, she realized he had kind eyes. She approached the horse, curtsied, and introduced herself. The boy smiled, dismounted, and bowed. Rosamund felt herself blush. This young nobleman was so chivalrous, like out of one of her stories. It wasn't love at first sight, but Rosamond was curious about the young man, so she walked with him through the woods. That's when he revealed he was Henry II, the king's grandson. Henry told Rosamond that he regularly traveled throughout England. Today, he'd been passing through Godstow when he became separated from his entourage. But he wasn't in a hurry to find his men. He was young, carefree, and on his own. He wanted to have fun. Rosamond might have shown Henry the local brooks or where to pick fresh wild blackberries. Henry might have let Rosamond pet his beloved horse's nose. But sadly, their magical encounter couldn't last forever. Henry had men looking for him, and Rosamond needed to get back to school. They exchanged their goodbyes at sunset. As Henry departed, Rosamond wiped away a tear. She wasn't just saying farewell to a new friend. It was the end of the first interesting, unexpected thing that had ever happened to her. Something magical and exciting. But now she had to return to her life at the convent. Henry was also surprised at how sad he felt when he rode away. He'd only known Rosamond a few hours, but they'd connected deeply. He feared they'd never meet again. However, fate had other plans. In a matter of years, a war was brewing. The politics are too complicated to get into here, but in simple terms, Henry's grandfather, Henry I, died in 1135, and the younger Henry believed he should be the next ruler of England. The problem was his first cousin once removed, Stephen, was on the throne, and he didn't acknowledge Henry's claim. So the men fought for the future of the kingdom. Henry began gathering allies wherever he could, until he was ready to attack. His might was undeniable, and so Stephen proposed a deal. 
They'd rule together until Stephen's death. At that point, Henry would become the sole ruler. It was a good offer. Stephen was much older than Henry. When he died, the young claimant could hold the throne for decades. Henry accepted. But once he was crowned, he had new problems to solve. England was less of a united nation and more a collection of semi-independent fiefdoms. The new ruler needed to cement his power. So Henry spent years crisscrossing the nation, using his military might to persuade noblemen to swear fealty. Other times, he flattered possible allies and leaned on his family name to ensure his vassals fell in line. This all meant a lot of travel. Lucky for Henry, some of his supporters hosted him in their estates when he was far from home. Among these was Lord de Clifford, who lived in a castle called Bredelay. One night, Henry sat down to dinner in the Bredelay Grand Hall. He looked up and had the shock of his life. He recognized de Clifford's daughter, Rosamund. She was an adult woman, now in her late teens, still unmarried, still harboring a rebellious streak, and still fascinated by tales of chivalry. Perhaps she played the harp for her father's guests. Or maybe Rosamund and Henry, so surprised to see one another, just exchanged brief greetings in passing. But their interactions likely didn't go beyond that. Henry was always on the move, and his visits rarely lasted more than a few days. However, he kept coming back to Bredelay, and each time he'd have another innocent encounter with Rosamund. During one stay in the winter of 1165, Henry mounted his horse for a sunrise ride, just like he always did. He sat firmly in the saddle and drove his heels into the beast's side, hoping to spur it forward. Instead, the horse reared and threw the king off its back. He landed with a sickening crunch and a sharp pain shot through his chest. When Henry gasped, it only grew worse. His doctors determined he'd broken a rib in the fall. It would take over a month for him to recover, and riding across the country was out of the question. That meant weeks laid up at Bredelay. Henry spent most of this time in bed. Servants brought him his meals on trays and emptied his chamber pot. When he grew bored, he summoned jugglers or performers. But more often than not, he invited Rosamund to join him in his rooms. She knew the most fascinating stories and often recounted those chivalric tales she loved so much as a child. Other times, she'd play music or sing with him. Most days, though, she and Henry would fill the long hours by talking. They spoke about that long-ago day when they met in the forest, about Rosamund's dreams and Henry's plans for England. Eventually, Rosamund began showing up on her own without waiting for Henry to call for her. If he was bothered by her boldness, he didn't show it. And he never sent her away. During those long days of Henry's recovery, love blossomed between the two. There was just one problem. King Henry couldn't be with Rosamund. He was already married. Coming up... The Vengeful Queen Eleanor. 
This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Now back to the story. The story goes that while recovering from an injury in the winter of 1165, King Henry II fell in love with Lady Rosamund de Clifford. Thus began a passionate, forbidden affair. But the king was married to Eleanor of Aquitaine. The queen had a reputation for being a driven, ambitious woman. Henry wasn't even her first royal husband. She'd previously been married to the French King Louis VII. During that partnership, Eleanor led a crusade, transformed the culture at Versailles' royal court, and wrangled an annulment when she decided her marriage wasn't working out anymore. It made sense Henry would want to marry someone so resourceful. Eleanor was the perfect bride to advise the young ruler. She was vicious, calculating, and did what had to be done. Her power was undeniable. And if she ever learned of Henry's straying heart, Rosamond would likely pay the price. But in the winter of 1167, Eleanor had other worries. She was expecting her eighth child with Henry, and this pregnancy was particularly difficult. Eleanor's doctors recommended she relax far from the stresses of court, so she planned a temporary move to the royal family's countryside home, Woodstock Castle, just outside of Oxford. However, accounts suggest that once she arrived, she found someone else residing there, Rosamond. Henry had allegedly moved her to Woodstock Castle so they could continue their affair away from prying eyes. There, Rosamond had all the luxuries a king's mistress could command, and Henry always knew where to find her for a tryst. When Eleanor first met her husband's lover, she was stunned. But she was also close to her due date and worried the stress of a confrontation might endanger the baby. So she simply ordered her entourage to take her to another nearby castle. But while she waited to give birth, Eleanor plotted her revenge. Henry knew his wife was furious, so he took extreme steps to keep his mistress safe. He moved her out of the castle and into a smaller hut no one knew about but him. There, Rosamond lived in seclusion, without servants, guards, or ladies-in-waiting. But Rosamond's extreme privacy wasn't her only source of protection. 
Legend has it, Henry created a massive labyrinth outside her modest home. He cultivated bushes and climbing vines and trees that sprung up in the hedges, forming the walls of a winding maze. The twisting pathways and unexpected dead ends ensured no one but Henry and Rosamond would ever find their way to the heart of the hedge maze where her cabin sat. It was the perfect hideaway. Well, almost perfect. Once her infant was old enough, Queen Eleanor set out to track down her rival. She interrogated Rosamond's friends and family about where the girl was hiding, but no one had the answer. So Eleanor expanded her search. She asked merchants if the king had requested wine or fine foods be brought somewhere other than his castles. She probed dressmakers to see if anyone had designed a gown fit for a royal mistress. She spoke to doctors, inquiring if they treated any suspicious pregnancies. In 1176, she finally found a clue. A young woman who'd known Rosamond as a child had spotted her old friend and the king together in Woodstock. Rosamond may have fled the castle, but she hadn't left the area. The queen didn't waste a minute. She gathered her most trusted guards and rode straight toward the town. They searched all around Woodstock Castle until they found something strange. Not too far beyond the palace grounds, a patch of thick bushes grew into a solid, colossal wall. Clearly, they didn't emerge this way naturally. Someone had created a massive, protective hedge barrier, one that didn't have a visible entrance. Eleanor couldn't figure out how to get inside. The queen and her men went door to door through the village, demanding every local tell them all they knew about the labyrinth. Finally, some accounts say they found a boy who claimed to have discovered the opening while playing nearby. A tall tree stood between two hedges. It was so thick, the trunk looked like it touched the bushes on either side. But according to the boy, there was a hidden entryway. Queen Eleanor pushed a few branches aside. They gave in easily, revealing a doorway between the hedge and the tree. It was too narrow for the horsemen to fit through, so Eleanor stepped into the maze alone. She found a sandy trail that split into several branching paths. It was unclear which route led to the center where Rosamond dwelled. For a few long minutes, Eleanor studied the walkway, noting every possible clue. There weren't many. No footprints or signs, no broken twigs or well-worn walkways. But then the queen's eye spotted something. A thin, pale, pink thread tangled in the roots of a tree. The night before, Rosamond and Henry had met for a tryst. After the lovers embraced in Rosamond's hidden cabin, they left the maze and walked, arm in arm, through pastures and fields. They kissed under the moonlight and swore their love to each other. Henry was so caught up in the moment, he didn't notice that when he returned to the maze, his silk tunic's fraying hem caught on a thorn. He and his lover walked back to Rosamond's modest home, the cloth unraveling all the while. The story goes that the thread unraveled so far, it revealed the correct path to the hidden cottage. 
The queen followed that winding string over roots and brambles. She prowled carefully, slowly, never tugging the delicate strand. She couldn't break it. Sure enough, her patience paid off. The line led Eleanor to Rosamond's front door. She pushed it open and descended a narrow set of stairs. The pink thread wound up to a private chamber. When the queen reached it, she found Rosamond in bed, sound asleep. As the story goes, Eleanor stepped forward, putting her foot down on a creaky board. The squeal roused Rosamond from her slumber. She sat straight up, then flinched back in fear. Perhaps at that moment, Eleanor broke out in bitter laughter. Or maybe she uttered harsh words, saved especially for the occasion. Whatever happened, we do know what she did next. Eleanor lifted the knife she'd carefully concealed in her skirts and stabbed Rosamund. The queen slashed again and again until finally Rosamund couldn't fight back or scream any longer. She was dead. Queen Eleanor left her body there, a message to her husband. This is what happened when he betrayed her. When Henry discovered his dead lover, he was devastated. Even though it was scandalous for a king to mourn his mistress, he did everything he could to honor Rosamond in death. He had her buried in Godstow Abbey, the same convent where they'd met years before. After the funeral, Henry and the de Clifford family shared the cost of maintaining her gravesite. They even paid the nuns to leave fresh flowers at Rosamond's tomb every day. It was the only way to ensure the world would remember her name. And it worked. Although Rosamond died young, her legacy would live on for nearly a millennium. Coming up, the real woman behind the story of Fair Rosamond. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Whether you're making a delicious family meal or a post-workout snack, Choose the farm-fresh taste of Eggland's best eggs. Only Eggland's best hens are fed their proprietary all-vegetarian feed. That's what makes their eggs more nutritious. With 10 times more vitamin E, 25% less saturated fat, and 6 times more vitamin D compared to ordinary eggs. Eggland's best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com to learn more. Now back to the story. A childhood friendship that blossoms into forbidden romance. A labyrinth where lovers meet in secret. And a vengeful queen who gets away with murder. Though Rosamond de Clifford was a real woman, her legend has grown over time, taking on mythic proportions. Which leaves us wondering, did any of it really happen? Verified details about her are hard to come by. So in lieu of solid evidence, we can look to poems, plays, short stories, and oral legends. 
Though all of the works are fiction, they tell us something about how people saw Rosamund, even if a few of the details are contradictory. Some versions of the legend are very close to the story we told. In others, Rosamund and Henry met much later as adults. Some accounts state that Rosamund stayed at Woodstock Castle for the duration of her affair, but never mentioned the cottage and the maze. And a few stories claim Queen Eleanor didn't stab Rosamond, but rather forced her to drink poison. Now, all of these renditions are pretty obscure. You're probably not going to find full illustrated accounts of Rosamond's life at your local bookstore or see a romantic movie about her and Henry's affair anytime soon. And yet, though the specific narrative has faded from the public consciousness, the tropes surrounding the legend of Fair Rosamond show up in a lot of fairy tales. Take Rapunzel, Snow White, or Sleeping Beauty. All of these stories feature beautiful young women hidden away in remote castles or cottages, waiting for their princes to save them. And all of them were written centuries after Rosamond's death. Perhaps the real fair lady served as an inspiration. But the question still stands, how much of her legend actually happened. When it comes to the historical Rosamond, it can be hard to know where the truth lies. To start, we can cover the few facts we do know. As far as Rosamond's life before her affair, it's only confirmed that she was the daughter of a lord. Given this, we can assume that she likely had some kind of education. But that doesn't mean she attended school at Godstow Abbey. There's actually no record she lived there before adulthood. Some say she never even set foot in the nunnery. We also can't say when or how Henry and Rosamond met. It might have been in 1165. That year he visited the de Clifford Castle called Bredelay. We're not sure what he was doing there, but it likely had something to do with Rosamond's father, who supported Henry's effort to strengthen the crown's power. Whatever his reason, the king may have spent the Christmas season with Rosamond's family, which was a shift from his usual practice of moving around frequently. He might have lingered at Bredelay because of an injury he received toward the end of that year or a malady, but we're not sure if he got hurt at all. And unlike in the story we told, there's no reason to think Rosamond was personally involved in nursing him back to health. Either way, Rosamond and Henry were definitely sleeping together by 1174, almost a decade after his stay at Bredelay. We know this because records suggest they publicly announced their affair. And afterward, Henry lived at Woodstock Castle with Rosamond. He didn't care who knew they were a couple. Or perhaps he wanted to provoke Eleanor into divorcing him. Maybe he was finally ready to propose to his true love, Rosamond. Well, not quite. While it's tempting to frame Henry and Rosamond's partnership as a romance for the ages, it was anything but. Evidence seems to suggest they actually broke up in 1175 or 1176 just a year or two after they went public with their affair. We're not even certain if they ever got back together, because Henry seemingly got over the breakup with the help of his other girlfriends. That's right. Rosamond was just one of several mistresses. 
Henry even had two illegitimate children with other women, which makes this epic love story feel a lot less lovely. As for Queen Eleanor, the third point in the love triangle, she didn't seem too concerned about marital fidelity. If you believe the rumors, she allegedly had a few affairs of her own, and she later found other ways to undermine her husband. We'll talk about those in a second. But she wasn't exactly a bad wife. Eleanor bore her husband eight children over the course of their marriage, a raging success in the Dark Ages. And thanks to her political connections and education, it's likely she helped him govern England. We don't know if she learned about the affair with Rosamond before it became public knowledge, but she certainly knew about it by 1174, when everyone else did. Incidentally, that's right about when her marriage to Henry soured. That year, Queen Eleanor was discovered actively plotting against the king, encouraging her sons to rebel against their father. After her treason was revealed, Eleanor spent 15 years imprisoned in a castle. In 1176, when it's believed Rosamond died, Eleanor was safely locked up. This means she had no way of hurting, let alone stabbing, Henry's mistress. We're not even sure if Rosamond was murdered. Certainly something tragic happened, as she likely wasn't even 30 yet when she passed. But her cause of death wasn't recorded. So it could have been an accident, a disease, spoiled food, anything really. Rosamond was buried in Godstow Abbey, at least initially. Eventually, a church leader objected to an adulteress being interred in the convent, so her remains were moved to outside the church. As for the grave, there's no conclusive evidence that Henry paid for it. He did finance the construction of two other buildings for the abbey, and it's possible his donation was motivated by Rosamond. Or that part of the tale could be pure embellishment to make their tragic affair seem more romantic. Regarding the labyrinth, accounts from the time talked about the elaborate gardens at Woodstock. We don't know for sure if they included a hedge maze, but they could have. And unfortunately, Woodstock Castle was demolished a long time ago. A pile of stones still stands at the site, it's all that remains of a very old building that once contained a small well. Legend has it that Rosamond used it to bathe when she lived in the cottage. Locals refer to the crumbling structure as Rosamond's well or Rosamond's maze. Ultimately, it seems unlikely Rosamond lived in the center of an elaborate maze. That embellishment might be inspired by another story, that of Theseus and the Labyrinth. Greek mythology tells of a king named Minos who lived on the island of Crete. His people were terrorized by a monster called a minotaur, who had the body of a man and the head of a bull. The beast would kill and eat almost anyone it encountered. Minos didn't want to slay the minotaur, but he couldn't let it roam free, terrorizing his people. So he ordered the construction of a labyrinth to keep the creature contained. Every year, he would send seven young men and seven young women into the maze for the monster to kill and devour. 
One day, an Athenian prince named Theseus decided he'd had enough. He couldn't stand to see so many innocents die at the Minotaur's hand. So he ventured into the labyrinth, carrying a ball of string that he unraveled as he walked to mark his path. After Theseus slayed the monster, he followed the thread to escape the maze, just the way Queen Eleanor does. Now, the Minotaur was a horrible monster who ate people. Rosamond was a young woman who fell for the wrong guy. Not really comparable. But that may be because we're looking at this story through a 21st century lens. For Europeans in the 1100s, intercourse was seen as sinful and even deadly. Sexually transmitted infections were sometimes viewed not as contagious diseases, but as divine punishment for lust. Rosamond lived in a time when the church was gaining more power in Europe, and leaders emphasized the importance of monogamous Christian marriage. Common people saw sex as sacred, an act that should generally only be shared between husbands and wives. Add a dose of sexism, women were often viewed as more complicit than men, and a mistress could easily be seen as a heartless homewrecker who'd enticed the husband away from his rightful wife. In other words, it's possible that to 12th century Brits, Rosamond's story of royal adultery wasn't romantic lore, but a cautionary tale. And placing her in a labyrinth like the Minotaur suggested she was as monstrous as a half-man, half-bull beast. To our modern eyes, Queen Eleanor's depiction also feels less than fair. In reality, she wasn't a murderer or a villainess. She got cheated on. Granted, she did try to overthrow her husband, but we don't have any reason to think she ever tried to hurt Rosamond. Maybe she didn't even mind the affair. However, in the stories, Eleanor is cold, calculating, jealous, and a murderer. Pretty harsh. But it makes narrative sense to vilify Eleanor. After all, what's a fairy tale without an evil queen? Besides, nasty patriarchal bias is all over the legend of Fair Rosamund. The worst detail might be that, in many versions of the narrative, Rosamond was the only one punished for the affair. Henry, who should have shouldered the entirety of the blame, got off scot-free. Rosamond was a lady, meaning she was nobility, but fairly low-ranking compared to a monarch. Given the disparity in their power and class, she may not have been able to reject Henry's romantic advances. In some accounts, Rosamond didn't live in the labyrinth because it offered her protection. She was a prisoner who wasn't allowed to leave. That makes this a dark, twisted tragedy about rape and murder, instead of a fable about love that's stronger than the bonds of marriage or societal expectations. In spite of all this, the fairy tale version of Rosamond's story persisted beyond the Middle Ages. It's inspired plays, short stories, and paintings. Clearly, something about the fictional account resonated. It may be because, even today, many married couples can feel like they're stuck in a relationship they don't want. 
And when your passion for your spouse fades, you may think the key to your happiness lies in someone who's forbidden. You might realize an affair will only end in pain or heartbreak for everyone involved. But the promise of new love may be just too intriguing to resist. So perhaps that's what Rosamond's story really represents. A universal truth that we often want what we can't have. And life isn't always fair, especially when it comes to matters of the heart. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Allie Wicker is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Angela Jorgensen, edited by Wendelin Sobroso and Alex Garland, fact-checked by Haley Milliken, researched by Bradley Klein, recorded by Freddie Rivera, Produced by Bruce Katovich and sound designed by Kerry Murphy. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Richard Rossner. 